pay attention to this verse right here as in one little verse, uh, Luke describes this man, Bartimaeus, because he's really a type and shadow here of Ananias and Sapphira that we're going to pick up on the first 11 verses in chapter 5. So there's this guy named Bartimaeus, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native to Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought all the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and only brought a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? Something you never want to hear somebody say. It's funny. Jesus would say this to Peter. Now Peter would say this to Ananias. Your heart, why has Satan placed this in your heart? To lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself a part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Disposal, excuse me. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? Have you not, I'm sorry, you have not lied to man but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last breath. Good Lord. In great fear, now pay attention, great fear came upon all who heard it. The young man who rose wrapped him up and carried him out to be buried. After an interval of time, about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Bummer. (laughs) And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold this land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. Good Lord, is this the God we serve, killing people? Immediately, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last breath. Then the young man came in and found her dead, and they carried her off also to be buried. And a great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Jesus I pray that in these verses, you would show us Jesus. Lord, that somehow through the mystery of death and lying, and then also a man who was generous, Lord, the mystery of all this is we seek to understand you, God, and why. How could it be that you would take life? Lord, I ask, God, that your Holy Spirit would come into this room now, rest upon our minds as we try to unpack this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Acts 44, 32 through 511. It, it seems to be that believing in Jesus for the early church affected them in such a way that they found themselves wanting to be loosened in relationship to things. That's what verse 32, they were selling their possessions, they were giving their money, laying at the apostles' feet, and the apostles were distributing as there was need. So there's something distinctly unique when the Holy Spirit came upon this community that caused them to want to be loosened in their relationship to things. And there was something equally as profound where they also wanted to tighten in its relationship to people. They wanted to be 
of one heart, of one mind with their brothers and sisters. So the, the thing that we see in verse 32 is they, they want to give up things to God for the betterment of others, and they want their hearts to be one with their fellow Christians, with fellow believers. This would, be the, this would seem to be what's at the heart here of chapter 4, verse 32. Believing in Jesus as our Savior and Lord meant for them trusting him for all they need. Believing that God could satisfy them even far beyond uh, material needs like houses and lands. For some of these guys, this was inheritance passed on through the generations where Barnabas, he's, he essentially just agrees to sell his land. This was not called for by the church. No, no apostle is saying, listen, sell all you have and give it to us for the distribute, to be distributed throughout the, the church for those who are in need. This was simply something in Barnabas' hearts and others that was initiated or provoked by the Holy Spirit. It seems or feels, especially in chapter 4, verse 32, that the state of an authentic believing in Jesus has two effects for them in the book of Acts. Let's see if we can point those out. And they're right in verse 32 of chapter 4. Let's look back again. And I'm going to repeat myself a lot because... Um, I'm looking to drive something home today um, that if we're going to be a community that pursues the Lord and pursues the power of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, if we're going to pray and believe God for a revival, we also have to be balanced and pursue community, pursue one another equally to the way that we pursue the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of God. If We're going to use the book of Acts as, as a model for where the church seemed to have drifted away from and where we wanted to be getting back to. Then we have to look at the community aspect, being of one mind, one heart. So, an authentic believing in Jesus seemed to have two effects. Let's read verse 32. Now the full member of those who believed, they believed they were Christians. They were of one heart and one soul. Believing in Jesus tightens our heart, again, in its relationship to people, especially other Christians. In other words, when you become united with Christ, you become united to his people by love. That, that's what verse 32 is saying. They were of one mind, one heart, one accord. They had all things in common. Could you imagine if today the church looked like that? Too many fights over the most pettiest of things. Too many offenses over the most stupidest of things. But yet, if we want to get back as the church to looking and reflecting and modeling and being 
as the early church was, we have to give our attention to this. There is something of which God commands his blessing upon a unified people. The second effect, as we read on in the second part of verse 32, um, says this, they sold all that belonged to them and they had everything in common. And so there you see them just loosening themselves from materialism and just sell it, give it to the needy, give it to the poor. In other words, faith in Christ creates a bond of love to people and cuts the bond of love for things. Let me say that again. Faith in Christ creates a bond, a tight, one mind, one heart bond with other Christians and cuts a bond. It severs a bond of love, commitment, dedication to things. And we must fight to preserve it, especially in the culture we live today that is so divisive. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, friend. Don't let CNN frame The talking points. Let the gospel, don't let Fox News frame. Don't let social media divide you and pitch you against one another. Let the gospel frame the argument. And you'll see racism obliviated in the church. So, Luke, as we have already touched upon earlier, is the author of the book of Acts. But what's interesting is that Luke in his gospel affirms, it seems to be one of his main burdens. He wants Christians, he wants us to be free of the love of things, if you read the gospel of Luke, and he wants us to be firm, firm in our love for people. And he doesn't believe, if you look at the gospel of Luke, that the two can coexist. Am I talking to the church this morning? John Piper, one of my heroes in his book titled Doctrine Matters, wrote in summarizing the Gospel of Luke, he writes this, Luke works at convincing us that you cannot have both the love of things and a love for people at the same time. Because if your heart is united in love to people, then you will set loose to things because things will have value only as means of loving people. That's what's at the heart. That's what is at the core of Acts chapter 4, 32 through something in, in, in Acts chapter 5, 1 through 11. The story is all about, it's a snapshot, if you would, of a community of people whose hearts have been utterly revolutionized by believing in Jesus. Utterly transformed It wasn't just the power of God. It was people sacrificing possessions and loosening themselves of things. We need to be loosened from things in our culture, don't we? Yeah, you don't have to buy the new iPhone. I mean, it's too expensive anyways. 
And didn't they just come out with the iPhone 8? And now they have the 10. I mean, how'd you skip nine? What did you do? It's a ploy. They're sucking you in. They're stealing your money. Stop it. Make a decision today, this morning, to loose yourself from things. Am I talking to charismatics this morning? Then act like it. (laughs) They found themselves freely caring about people and freely selling land and houses and giving the money to the church for distribution for those who had needs. This wasn't contrary to the teachings of Jesus. Look at Luke 12, 32 through 33. Jesus says this, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. (laughs) It's Jesus. It's the one that we, we admire. That's the one we adore. Jesus is a radical man. He goes as far as saying, sell everything. Now, listen, am I telling you to sell everything? No. I'm not going to sell my house. If God places it upon my heart to do such, I will. Be led by the Holy Spirit. But, man, I will live soberly. I will live with eyes open to make sure things don't grab a hold of me. And the moment, the moment I think I've crossed that threshold, I'll start giving. I will start giving radical offerings to the Lord. We should be doing that anyways. Man, if we're going to talk about the power of God, if we're going to pray for revival, we have to look at the recipe here of what God was doing in a community of people, making them of one heart, one mind. What is your argument today against the church if you have one? Friend, I want to encourage you, put it aside. Put it aside. It is petty. And, 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 and may I say this. This is going to offend you. God doesn't care. He does not care. Even Jesus did not seek to justify himself at his death. What makes you think you have the right to justify yourself? You don't. God will justify you. Got to put it aside. We can't just be a community that pursues power, that pursues gifts and prays for revival. We have to be a community that is one, that is one, that is one heart, one mind, black, white, brown, yellow, whatever you want to call it. We're never going to show the world something different if we don't put our petty issues aside and focus on growing in a bond of love for one another. You know, here's a good example. I know I can bring anything to Will Eifler. We've had our ups, we've had our downs, but you know what? There's a bond of love that has, through the years, been tested and tried. You need friendships like this. You don't need friendships that are going to tell you uh, all that's good and never challenge any of your mindsets, never challenge any of your philosophies. If you have friends like that, you should run. Friends should sharpen you. They should be salt in the wounds of bitterness and offense. So Luke goes to great extents to explain in the Gospels of Luke that we are to be free from the love of things and firm in our love for people. And man, 
if this happened in the church today, if Acts chapter 4 verse 32 happened in the church today, the world would take notice and, 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 and there would be a harvest like the world has never seen before. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm all, all, I'm all about healing signs that make you wonder. But I'm also about a strong bond of love in the church because it's by this, it's by our love that the world will see. There's something different in that church. I want Hilltop. I want to be different. Okay. So essentially Luke is describing for us and goes to great lengths within chapter 432 through 511 goes through great lengths in describing for us a story of the radically freeing effects of true faith in Jesus. If, if, these, if these things that we just read aren't happening in us, then the thing I would question at the core is the authenticity of your conversion. I said it. Sorry. If, if we are not growing in a bond of love, getting over our differences and our pettiness, I don't have time to give focus to the problem. I'd rather give focus to what is really taking place in your heart or my heart as an individual and saying, is it authentic? Have you really been transformed and called on Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Because as he says in verse 32, now the full number of those who believed. These are the effects. This should be what's going on in our hearts when it comes to working through tension and fights and arguments. I am a believer first. And so... I am going to follow Jesus in this. Christianity is not a matter of external conformity or religious expectations. It's a matter of internal liberty. It is not a matter of force in law. It is a matter of freedom in love. And right here, I think there is freedom and love on display in the books, book of Acts. Being a Christian means being changed from the inside out so that we fall in love with people and fall out of love with things. Again, look at Acts chapter 5, verse 4. Luke tells us a story. So Acts chapter 5, verse 4. Is everybody all right? Yeah. Okay, so three of you. Luke says this. While it remained unsold, he's talking to Ananias. Did it not remain your own? So it's like Peter saying, nobody told you to sell your house. Like, like everybody, Barnabas is doing this out of freedom. He's freely loving Jesus. The, Peter is not saying, hey, listen, I got a wild idea. How about everybody sell your land and give us the money from those sales? He's not saying that. So he's asking him a question. He's like, this is yours. So, like, nobody is coercing you to do this. But now, 
You're going as far as lying to us on how much you actually sold the land by keeping a portion of the proceeds for yourself. Ananias had lied. Here's a contrast as I'm winding down. That clock moves fast. I think Peter imagines that this might be the way you would act if there were some external constraint on you, if this were not a matter of freedom as it was with Barnabas and others. There's no constraint in generosity, friend. There's no constraint at all in generosity. And this is what is being displayed through a man named Barnabas. Let's, let's look at Barnabas. Here he's just, uh, I'll go further down in my notes. In Acts chapter 4, I think it's uh, 8. They t- nope, it's actually 6, sorry. They talk about this man, Barnabas. Um, you would not know much of this man until later in the New Testament. But let's listen, let's get some of his credentials. Credentials? Credentials, excuse me. Um, so he's an advocate for Paul as an apostle because Paul had a very unique thing where Jesus appeared to him and he wasn't, uh, he didn't come into being an apostle like the uh, 12. So he was an advocate of Paul in Acts chapter 9, 27, the shepherd of the new Gentile converts in Antioch in Acts eleven twenty two, and the one trusted to relief, uh, to re- bring relief for the poor in Acts eleven thirty, the first partner of Paul on his missions, missionary journeys in Acts 13, 2, an advocate for giving John Mark a second chance in Acts 15, 37. He shines as one of the most mature, reliable, lovable leaders of the early church. And right here in Acts chapter 4, 36 through 37, Luke shows us how Barnabas' trusted ministry begins. It begins with a demonstrated freedom from love, uh, freedom from the love of things and a heart for the love of people, or the poor in this case. He sold his field and gave the proceeds to the apostles. In this story, he stands out in the way true faith in Christ uh, should be. It creates a bond of love and cuts away a bond of love for things. Ananias in Sapphira stands for the exact opposite. Namely, a people who have not really been changed on the inside. Now listen, and I'm having to go fast, so forgive me. But they represent people who have not really been changed from the inside out. Not really being satisfied with all that God is for them. But who still want some place in the visible church. They want to be seen. Look at this good deed. Hey, you know, if we just hide a bit of them, they'll never know. How many Christians we got like that in the church today? I think it's alarming if we actually knew the number. The reason Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead is not because this, they happen to be hypocrites. For example, it doesn't happen to Simon the musician, if you're familiar with the story in Acts 8, 20 through 24. The reason they dropped dead is to give a stunning warning to the whole church that phony Christianity will end up this way sooner or later. 
the, the effects of their death. What did, what did, I, I'm trying, guys. What were the effects of their death? The, the act says fear fell upon the whole community. <laughs> now, there's a lot of pastors who try to explain that there was like some transitional period going on where the new covenant was kind of re- replacing the old covenant. God was just confused. Like he, you know, it's like rolling out the new iPhone in a bad way or healthcare, you know? I think God is a little bit more smarter than that. God means for his people to fear hypocrisy. He, he means for us to be afraid. I know that might be controversial to say. There's no love and fear, or whatever that is. There's no fear in love. For I wonder what our response is going to be when we see Jesus open up the sky and come down. I, I, I don't know about you. I've been walking with the Lord a long time, but I imagine like, ah! What is that? Run! <laughs> I mean, come on. God means for his people to fear hypocrisy. He means us uh, to be afraid of treating the Holy Spirit with contempt. Again, the results of all this, and I've done a bad job at conclusion, at the conclusion, and forgive me, trying to work with this these digits that are flashing before my eyes. But the result of all this is that a fear fell on the whole community. They learned a valuable lesson about authentic faith in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I ask, Lord, that you would extend the time on this clock, but also, Lord, would you open our hearts to receive the truth of your word, even if it might be hard to receive. I pray, God, that a holy fear would fall upon our church and our community, a holy fear of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, we're going to take communion. Yeah, you can clap. It's okay. If I can have some ushers move this. The reason I'm, I'm having to move a little fast is because um, we're going to take communion. Um,